this morning. I don't know what your heart desire is. I don't know what your expectation is of the Lord. I don't know what is a hunger in your heart that you seek God to satisfy. But the song we have just sung is a cry for revival. Does your current condition as a child of God satisfy you? Is there something more you long for? This morning, can you speak to the Father? Revive your work, O Lord. This morning, can you turn to Him who has called us this year to prepare to meet with Him? Can you believe Him that this morning an opportunity will be for you to encounter Him again? It is the desire of God to send revival. For how much do we long for it? How hungry are we for the revival? How much do we even desire to meet the Lord? The poem writer said, Disturb us, O Lord. When we arrive so safely at the shores because we sail too close to the shores. Disturb us, O Lord. When the glories of this earth that will soon be passing have blinded our eyes of the glory of the heavens that are yet to be revealed. Lord, disturb us this morning. Lord, disturb us this morning. Lord, move us out of our comfort zones. And move us further. Lord, you who searches the sincerity of the heart of men. Lord, attend to our hearts this morning. We have gathered again unto you. We seek that, Lord, you will meet with us again this morning. Lord, we seek to have an encounter with you. Lord, men we have read of in your word. Had particular encounters and for the rest of their lives they couldn't recover from. Lord, and it seems like our lives we don't have such. And so that's our lives are just leave us though we are not even around. Lord, this morning we seek for an encounter. An encounter that will matter for our journey. An encounter that will give us relevance in what you are up to doing. An encounter that will indeed qualify us for you even on the last day. Lord, this morning as we look into your word, we ask that you will help us. Thank you, Father, for how far and how strong you have come for us this morning. We believe that this work you have begun, like the hymn writer have complete, Lord. Do not let us until you are done with us. Lord, do not give up on us. It is governments that have abandoned projects. We know with you and by your mercy, you will not abandon us. So this morning we ask that you will not and in not abandoning us, encounter our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Lord, we believe your word. And we ask that you will bring it to us. Fresh and strong. Help our hearts to receive this word you are bringing to us. 
And let your name be glorified. Blessed be your name, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to appreciate God for this opportunity. This morning we'll be looking at a topic, a peculiar people, zealous for good works. This morning we believe in God that he will do something in our lives. I have a desire that the Lord will encounter us. We will meet God. I believe God that in our respective levels, God will meet with us. God desires to meet with us. But he says, come, draw near unto me and I will draw near. God responds to us. Pray that the Lord will give us a heart that will draw his response this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ. Quickly we look at our texts from where we took the Bible reading. As we believe God to help us stir our hearts to revive us. As we believe God to do something in our lives. We have just read the Bible reading. So for want of time, we might not need to read it over again, but let's have it opened. As we begin to study these verses of scripture. As we begin to look at it, trusting that God will come for us. If you look at from verse 6 to verse 10, you will see that the issue of good works, as God will desire, were listed there. You know, verse 6 started with young men, likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Another version we see, show your, no, likewise urge younger men to be self-controlled. Verse 7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So if you look at our topic, he said zealous, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Those first verses, for me, when I began to look at these verses, what came to my mind, and I believe God brought it so that it will guide us as we study together this morning His Word, is as though many a times, many of us desire these good works. It looked to me as if The arrangement seems to be the way it is in many of our hearts. We think that it is first the zeal of good works that will make us a peculiar people. But I see God in his wisdom quickly bringing an interlude there in verse verses 11 down. And for me it looked like when the instruction was coming to Titus, the issue of good works for all the categories, category of church members or people we will have to pastor that will pertain unto good works. You know, one will have assumed that it will be that your zeal for good works will lead you to become a peculiar set of persons. But I see that in verse 11, quickly God cautioned Titus through his servant Paul. 
And that is where we are going to begin this morning as we lay a general foundation to then dwell on the peculiar people, zealous of good works. The Bible says in verse 11 that for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. This morning as we will be considering this topic and as we meditate on these verses, I share with you a very first challenge that comes to mind. The first thing that came to my mind is our theme for this year, God wants to use this opportunity to press it a little further in our hearts. It's possible you are here this morning and you excuse yourself or exclude yourself from this theme. And it's very possible this morning you are still struggling with believing what God is saying to us. Prepare to meet thy God. I sense in my heart very strongly that God is bringing this word again to us to push this matter a bit further. Because if you read down, I take verses 11 through 14 now. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. If you see the beginning of verse 13, you will see the issue of a people that, are pre- are, that should be preparing to meet their God. You will see there, it says, it started verse 13, started by saying, looking forward, having an expectation, longing to meet the Lord. So that the Lord is bringing this to us, is that He is pushing forward the issue of being prepared. And like I started with verse 11 initially, I saw there that God brought verse 11 quickly to make was to know that the issue of zeal of good works is a flow from a life that is peculiar. It is a character of a life that is a peculiar life. And so, the issue first, before we even start talking of the good works, is life. Now you remember, that even for Jesus, when he, when he called his disciples to himself, the Bible says he went up to the mountain that they may be with him. Was that not what the Bible says? And that he may send them. Now that scripture, whenever I read it, what comes to my mind, the first summary I give to that scripture is, until God succeeds over a life, he will not succeed through that life. God desires first a life. God desires first 
a kind of life. Inasmuch as he desires good works. The Bible says that because there were no men to till the ground, God did not send rain. But does God have rain to send? Yes. So the issue of good works, being serious for good works, I wrote it down, it just flows from a peculiar life. One of the things that show that a life is peculiar is that in it, being a peculiar life flows the zeal. So in verse 11, he began teaching something there. And it is the principle and the doctrine of grace. And so this morning we will begin to look at this because the peculiarity of life comes by grace. And that was why he started by saying that the grace that brings salvation. And I'm believing that what God was establishing before Titus and he wants us to quickly grab is that the issue of having a peculiar life is for men that have a testimony that Grace has done what? Brought salvation to them. So this morning, the first thing we must address is, do you have a testimony of grace bringing salvation to you? You know, when that thing came to my mind, when I was meditating on these verses, I wanted to excuse it. I wanted to assume that men, as many as have received salvation, should have gotten it by grace. But you know what came to my mind? There are men today, what they celebrate as salvation is not what grace delivered to them. What you, you brought in as salvation today is not what grace delivered unto you. It's that thing that you are able to do your best in attaining and in maintaining. Because when we see you and we almost we well we always congratulate you as though you have salvation. But I hear God saying there that the issue of peculiarity of life is for people who first have a testimony that the salvation I testify of today it was the grace of God. You know why? Paul when writing he wrote in a place and he told them. That the righteousness we are talking of is not that what comes by works. Now, if you follow his thinking there, is that there are people who boast in a righteousness that comes by work. It is that there are people who want to celebrate a form of salvation, but we can't link it to grace. We can't see God working it out on you. I was sharing with a young man one day about the need to give his life to Christ. And you know, they will always want to build a defense. And he said to me that, you see all these church people, all these Christians, they always want to show that they are more Christian than you, they are more holy than you. I just knew where he was going to. I don't know, that's not what we are talking about. And the word God brought to my heart to share with him that day, again, he's bringing to my heart for us to listen to, is that a man that has truly tested grace, we long for more of grace. So you will see somebody so serious. I think it's because he has tested grace. A man that grace delivers salvation to him, he sees his inadequacies 
and trust God for more grace. When you test grace, you know, the few things I wrote down about grace here is, it is grace that will help you prepare. Oh, the hymn writer says, grace has brought me safe thus far. What will you do there? It is still grace. The grace that brought salvation all to all men. This morning, God is asking you, do you have a testimony of salvation that grace delivers to you? Or delivered to you? Now quickly, some of us might rejoice in it. But you see, it didn't end grace there. You know I said, when you test grace, you belong for more. And so because of that, I saw that grace, when we read further, if you read further, Grace teaches us. I remember sometimes last year we looked at this verse during our Bible study. And we looked at grace teaching us. The King James Version says, teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss, we should live how? Soberly. If you will summarize that, will I be right to say, grace teaches us to live. Is that not what the Bible says there? Grace is the one that will teach you how to live. So my question again is, if grace has delivered salvation to you, if it is true, are you trusting on that grace on how to live? In doing that, we are preparing to meet the Lord. Another thing I saw grace teaching there is, I see there that grace teaches us to hope for the coming of the Lord. It is grace that makes you not get afraid when we say the Lord is coming soon. Already grace has established your heart that that is what I am longing for. I am looking forward to it. This morning it seems to me as if the reason why when the issue of the coming of the Lord comes to us, we quickly remember that next month is my wedding. I am not saying you will die before your wedding, like the drama. But, why it seems as if something shakes in your heart, is that truly, your heart longs for your wedding more than the coming. That is what happens. But what this does to a man's life, is after delivering salvation, it teaches you to live. Then delivers unto your hand a hope, a longing. So that if wedding comes, praise God, if it doesn't come, that is not what we are looking for. And that is why verse 13 says, how did verse 13 start in your own version? Waiting. As you live, grace teaches you to do what? Be waiting. Because a hope has been dropped in your heart. So you are waiting. That sister in that drama we saw had a card. So she was waiting. She was waiting. She had a hope that she was longing for. Now I see this as the description of what makes a life peculiar. That is the peculiarity of our lives. 
when salvation is delivered to you, you don't wait on the salary scale to know how to live. What teaches you to live? Grace. Now, the question will now be, will you be the same with a person that lives by any other means? You will be peculiar. You will be different. As well, so God quickly bringing this interlude to Titus. And he said, before we will begin to talk, before we set the cart before the horse, we must address that this issue of good works flows from a life. And another challenge I see God bringing to us is, if grace has taught you how to live, does your heart have a hope of his coming? You know, a man that has that hope, when he sees this thing, let's be very frank with ourselves. What will happen to that heart? No, let's, let's be very frank with ourselves. What will happen to that heart? A heart that has a hope of the coming of the When he sees this thing, what, what happens to the heart? There will be an excitement in the heart. Imagine that sister, and they come to announce the, the first ban of marriage. You know, she will, you know, the announcement we will have to ask to stand up. You know, there's something in her that will say, My day is coming. You know, we can also see this. You know, as I sat there, God brought something to my heart that will it not be wickedness that I come without sending a warning? It is love that brought this thing to us. God loves us so much that He's sending to us. A call. But yet in the light of our topic today, as we await this coming, God expects us to be a peculiar people. And as we have looked at grace must have delivered salvation to you, and grace must beyond delivering salvation to you, teach you how to live. Then the time we see again is that grace will give you a hope of his coming. Create a waiting in your heart for his coming. That any other event that will occur on earth. Now let me ask a question. If that sister that was in that drama preparing for her wedding has lectures, will she go for lectures? Yes. Will she write exam? Yes. But as she does it, you know sometimes in the exam too, she will raise her head and say, my wedding is next month. And she will write again. Does it stop her normal days living activity? But do you know it changes her living? So when that one boy this, the person before he says anything, you are invited for my wedding. You know, the story has ended here. Why is it that something in our hearts makes every other event take precedence over the waiting we are waiting for? Could it be that grace has not brought us to that time? Or that level. First John chapter three, verse three. We know that scripture very well. When this hope is delivered unto a man, something happens to that man. First John three three. I would have loved for us to read from verse two to six, but for want of time. So if you are taking notes and you want to go and look at it, still look at from verse two to six. But let's look at verse three of First John chapter three. Now, if you look at verse. 12 of our texts. What, did, what does grace teach people to do? He teaches them to live 
holy life. Godly life. Did you see that there? Did you see that? Now the Bible says in 1 John 3, 3 that those who grace have dropped this hope in them. What will we see about their life? Eh? They purify themselves. They live as men that are what? Prepared. The next question I'm asking is has grace, grace taught your heart to hope and wait? Such that you will now have to live your holy life. Such that you will take responsibility for setting boundaries for your living. Verse 13 says, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Before we go into verse 14, the next thing God brought to my heart, which is why I say this thing came to us by love, is that verse 14 started by doing something. Do you know that? Now let's look at, let's read verse 14 before I say it. Having talked about Jesus Christ, our God, that we are doing what? Waiting to meet. Waiting for his coming. What, how did verse 14 start? How did he start describing this person we are waiting for? The Bible says that who gave himself for us. You know what came to my mind when I read that place? I saw, I was excited in my heart that the issue of our preparing to meet God, Jesus was involved. Did you see that there? Do you know that he came so that we will be better prepared to meet him? And the Bible started that verse by saying that this Jesus we are waiting for, this Jesus we long to encounter in our closet, is committed to this issue. And you know the commitment he made? What did verse 14 say the commitment was? He gave his life. Now the question is, the Bible says, if he gave us his own life, if he gave us his only son, what else will he not give unto us? So it looks to me as if the issue of preparing, if we have encountered this life that is peculiar, something happens to us. We do not even count on our ability. And that was why we had to sing that song we sang at first. Because from the beginning, he was committed to this. Do you know that the issue of going back to meet the Lord, for which God is saying we needed to be a peculiar people. I thought I would say this at the beginning. Look to me as if this is our topic. is Actually, by the time we read verse 14, you will see that is an aim that Jesus had in mind for which he came. Did you see that there? Let's read it quickly so that we establish that they will continue from what we are saying. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself. Oh, let me read it in James. To redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself a peculiar people. So the idea is what God had in mind and what Jesus had in mind when he was coming was that by giving his life, he will raise a crop of people who are peculiar. And their peculiarity flows with a zeal. So our topic today is actually looking to me as if it is the end to which God, Jesus came to redeem us. And as I looked at this topic, it came to my mind that what God is expecting 
like the Lord brought to us last Sunday, is a, is a church without spot or wrinkle. He didn't miss words about it. And the standard is Jesus. Now I was talking with some people some time ago and I told them that the image that is coming to my mind is when the time comes for judgment, the stature of Jesus will be transparent that you can pass through and you will come. If you don't fit into it, you don't pass. That's how the picture is coming to my mind. If you don't fit into it, you can't pass. There's no space for additional. And it looks like they are too small. They may not be able to still enter. How? I don't know. That's the picture that was coming to my mind. He's the standard. And that was his intention for which he came to give his life. But I don't know whether it excites your heart this morning to know that the issue of preparing to meet God, Jesus committed his life for that reason. This morning, don't think it's a matter that is left to you. It is grace. God's input in this your journey. God's hand. That you do not necessarily merit it. The love that brought Jesus to die. is the love that is preparing us. And it looks to me as if, if you look at verse 12 and verse 14, they seem to be containing similar things. Look at your Bible, you will see that. 12 and 14 are actually saying two things that seem to be the same. Preparing us to be blameless. Redeeming us from all iniquity. Did you see that it teaches us to live a holy life? And in verse 14, Jesus came that he may redeem us from all iniquity. To bring us into this holiness. That he might walk in us by this grace to bring us to a kind of life. This morning, did you end you ended your contract with grace when grace when salvation was brought to you? If that is it, then you have not yet tested grace. Because grace still has more to offer. Grace is all the way. But this peculiar life, what makes these peculiar people in verse 14 that we have begun to look at? Let's see quickly. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 20. Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 20. We will see a scripture that shows us one thing that is that one thing that, that is distinguishing, apart from the fact that grace has brought the salvation, there is something that happens to you at that point. Somebody read for us, please. I'm not there. Second Corinthians 5, from verse 14 to 20. Praise God. Second Corinthians 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. When salvation is brought to us, it brings a compelling nature of life, it compares the way we live. Yes? Because we are convinced. The reason is because there is a conviction that comes to us that one died for all. One died for all. And therefore all died. Because one died for all, what happens? All have died. So that they that now live, yes? And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. 
You see the peculiarity of that our life? That it makes you no longer. That is what makes our life peculiar. You no longer do what? Live for yourself. Yes. But for him who died for them and was raised again. Because you are indebted to him who has given his life for all. You owe him your own life. Yes. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. Now you see the seal that is beginning to be explained here. The seal is we do not regard men after the flesh. Yes. We do so no longer. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Yes, continue. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because we do not live for ourselves, he commits unto us a ministry. What is that ministry? The ministry of reconciliation, yes. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he was committed to us, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are there for Christ's ambassadors. Did you see now one other thing that shows our peculiarity of life? We are there for people who have this peculiar life, carry this consciousness. They are what? They are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That for me shows a description of the zeal that accompanies a life that is peculiar. There is a sense of obligation to live for Christ and the ministry for which Christ came. I don't know whether I've mentioned it here before, but there's something I saw as an undergraduate on a calendar uh, of Rayard Bonkey. And that thing, I have never forgotten it. And that is that the ministry of Jesus continues. It's not a new ministry. The ministry of Jesus continues. That you, you have a sense of responsibility that that thing for which Jesus came to die because a continuation through your life. That's what makes you an ambassador after all. So if you do that, the zeal for good works will be there. For in him, he was doing good works. You know, there are several scriptures that still point at this. If you look at Ephesians, when he talks about a saved life, he quickly adds this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 to 10. A very familiar scripture. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says what? Ephesians 2 verse 8. Yes. For it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. Yes. True faith. True faith. And this is not from yourself. It is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. Not by works. Not by works. So that no one can boast. So that nobody can boast. For we are God's workmanship. Now look at again. Look at what he's saying there. We are a peculiar kind of people. That is what I was seeing there. We are God's workmanship. We are God's products. We are a kind of breed of human beings that have a seal of God on their lives. 
Yes. Created in Christ Jesus. We are made in Christ Jesus. Our our living is where? In Christ Jesus. To do good works. Zealous of good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. There are so many things God has prepared in advance for which He made you to gain that employment. He prepared it in advance for that office. But for several of us, because first, we have not gotten a peculiar life. We cannot do those things. That is why it looks like there is a church that seems to be zealous. And I think the problem is the life that commands God's response is not there. This morning, the relevance of our good works flows from how our lives are. I heard a story of a service that held in a stadium. And a young person in that stadium had a special presentation. And he came and read from one of the Psalms a poem. And you know what? After he read it, everybody was clapping. Everybody was clapping. Imagine the ovation of a stadium. And as they were clapping, an elderly man walked to the moderator of the service and requested for the same opportunity. And you know what that old man did? He went to the young boy and collected the same poem and came to the same place and read the same poem. No difference. He read what the boy just read. And the whole stadium was broken down in tears. I dare to ask what makes the difference. The two men that came to read. There is a life God will respond to and lives will be changed. That is a peculiar kind of life. God is seeking the reason Jesus came as we read in our text to give his life to redeem us is so that he will bring from us a crop of men and women that live a peculiar life. That are zealous unto good works. This morning, our time will not allow us to press this issue any further. But I believe God has brought something to check your heart and your life this morning. There are many more things to have said. But let's remember verse 6 to 10 of our text. When this life is in us, we will indeed as young men be a model of what? Verse 7 of Titus 2 says what? To the young men, for us to become models of what good works is. This morning, does it seem to be that you are busy about good works in quotes? But there are no results. Could it be that you are no one among the peculiar people? Let's bow our head as we pray. How is your life? Revival begins with lives. It's not about actions first. There are lives God responds to. How is your life? Talk to the Father this morning.
Has grace brought salvation your way? Do you have a testimony? And you see men that have this testimony. They don't shy about it. They are not shy of it. Remember Saul. On his way to Damascus. When God encountered him. You will look at just in Acts of Apostles. He kept giving that testimony. Salvation. That came to him by grace. Of all men. He was least qualified. But when he tested grace. He couldn't keep quiet about it. For him to live. Is Christ. To die. Is gain. This morning. Have you tested grace? Lord thy grace alone. Is all I seek for. Can somebody talk to the father? Could it be that all that you have today. You boast about that. Has even qualified you to hold responsibility. Places of responsibility in church. That looks like salvation. Did not come by grace. This morning. The grace has appeared again. The grace is here again. To give you salvation. To deliver unto you. The salvation that by all standards. You do not merit. But for Christ. When we were yet sinners. He came and gave that life. Or you are longing to live. To prepare to meet the Lord. But you are all the while doing it by strength. And all the resolutions you have made here in year out. You are failing. He's saying. It is not by that. It is by grace. It is by leaning on God. To carry you. It is by trusting him to take that step. Helping you in delivering the expected results. This morning can you talk to the father. Is your life such that it's not peculiar. It's not different from an unbeliever's life. There's nothing. A peculiar life is one that is given to Christ. He lives for Christ. Are you living for that degree you are pursuing? Or for that career you are building? This morning grace is calling again. Grace is calling again. Will you respond to grace? Will you respond to grace? Will you ask that grace will deliver salvation to you this morning? I don't know if you are here this morning. And it just dawns on you that you need a grace, need a salvation that comes by grace. Not by the works. We saw it again in Ephesians. And this morning you say, Ah, I never understood it this way. I need grace. Just raise that hand. Grace that brings salvation. You want a delivery of salvation this morning. You are seeking that he will deliver salvation to you. Your desire is you don't even have the first level of experience of a peculiar life. The testimony of a peculiar people is that they have a first testimony, first and foremost, that grace delivers salvation to them. If you are here and this morning you realize that you don't have that kind of testimony, raise the hand and say, Lord, your grace, I pray, delivers salvation to me this morning. As you raise your hand, can you pray? Just pray to God and tell God, Lord, I need this salvation. Open your mouth and speak to the Father. Not by works, lest anyone should boast. I am what I am, only by the grace of God. Are you here also? The way you are living is obvious that it's not grace that is teaching you how to live. To deny your ungodliness, you are not denying it. 
It shows that you are not even getting prepared. This morning, pray to the Father. For those of us in front here, I want you to just quickly speak to the Father and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Rest of us, we can be praying, asking God to teach us by grace to live. But for us in front here, can you speak to the Father and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Saved from sin. Saved from the power of darkness. Saved from the slavery of sin. I want a new life. That is by grace. Open your mouth and say it after me. That is by grace. Not by my works. But by your grace. Give me grace. To live a life. After now. That denies ungodliness. I come into your kingdom. As your child from today. To live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus name. Father we commit this your sons and daughters onto your hands. As they have come. We ask that you will receive them. And Lord the testimony that accompanies a life that receives salvation dear grace. And the life that is taught to live, to be lived by grace. Lord, we pray that you will equip these lives with from now. In Jesus' name, we pray. For the rest of us, I want us to quickly respond to the Father. There is a need for men whose life God will respond to. Lives that are taught by grace. Life that is no longer lived for himself. You live for him who died for you. We see that in how you are indebted in reconciling men back to God. Taking up the ministry of reconciliation. Can you speak to the Father and say, Lord, I need a life. I pledge allegiance like the song in that drama was coming. I pledge allegiance. Can we speak to the Father concerning our lives? I don't know whether it bothers you. That you share with somebody and nothing happens. That you are in a place or you are in a home. Every morning you coordinate the devotion. And there are yet people under your roof not saved. Is it that the word of God has lost potency? No. This morning can you say, Lord, do something to my life. This morning can you ask that the Lord will help us. Present your life to God. And say, Lord... Count me one among these peculiar people. That in their life there is a flow of a zeal that you respond to. There is nothing God cannot do through your hands. Even in that your office. Those works he has ordained beforehand to do through you. Can you say, Lord, I will not feel heaven. Looks like God is looking through the earth and every man seems to be giving up. Can we turn our eyes to him again and say, Lord, there is nothing you cannot do through my hands. As a copper, I heard a story of a copper that believed God for a Muslim state coordinator of NYC to be saved. 
And that state coordinator did not get transferred from Kano State until he encountered Jesus. God can do it through your hands. That your HOD, your dean can get to know Jesus. Your supervisor, by virtue of supervising you, will meet Christ. Those are works he has ordained beforehand. Good works, whatever things are good. Good reports, noble. Think of those things. Why are you not thinking about it? There is something wrong. There is a life that that thought wells from you don't have yet. This morning, can you say, Lord, give me that kind of heart. Lord, we pray this morning that as you have brought your word to us, you will send us help. Lord, your grace alone can do this. We ask that you will attend to us by your grace. Let a hope of your return be stirred in our hearts from this morning. That the works we do, we do zealously as we await the coming of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for bringing this word to us this morning. Lord, do not let us until you are done with us. This is our prayers in Jesus' name.